Welcome back to the Daily Devotion. My name is Kevin Hell. I'm the pastor of Christ Church Conway, a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America here in Conway, Arkansas. The Daily Devotion is a time for us to be strengthened in our faith through the study of Scripture and theology. As you know, we're working our way right now through the book of 1 Peter. It's an incredible letter that Peter wrote to these believers who were suffering as Christians, and he wrote it in order to comfort them with the gospel, with the truth that because Christ had lived and died and rose again, that they could have confidence in this life, even in the face of suffering, even if that suffering was unjust. So Peter wrote to comfort them in their suffering. He wrote to instruct them in how they are to live in light of the gospel. And insofar as we now live as Christians, insofar as we now live under the reign of Christ, insofar as we now are united to Christ by faith, insofar as we now suffer as Christians, we find in this little letter incredible comfort for us as well and an incredible set of instructions for us for how we are to live, not in order that we may gain God's favor, but because in his grace and mercy in Christ, we have his favor. And that instructs us and helps us understand how to live in this world. So we come this morning to 1 Peter chapter 4, and we're up to verses 12 through 19. We're going to break this section up into three different sections following uh, Karen Job's analysis of this section. I think, again, she does an absolutely fantastic job all throughout, if you're looking for a commentary on First Peter, I can't recommend the the edition in the Baker Exegetical New Testament series uh, on First Peter by Karen Jobes. It's absolutely fantastic. It's very accessible, but she dives deep and and presents an incredible understanding of what's going on here. So let me pray for us, and then I'll read First Peter chapter four verses twelve through nineteen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you strengthen us through your word as your spirit works in us. We pray that we would hear Peter's words, that I would be strengthened to speak by by your spirit, that as we hear these words, we might be strengthened in our faith, that we might have the confidence of those who have been born again to a living hope and who are kept for an eternal eternal inheritance by the security provided by our Heavenly Father. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Peter writes this, beginning in chapter 4, verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is for judgment, for it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Well, we don't have to think too hard back to the beginning of 1 Peter to see the overlapping themes 
between where he began and where he is slowly kind of bringing things to an end, the, the themes that overlap between where he started in this instruction that he is now giving to us in Christ. These ideas that, that suffering, that, that we're to think of it in a particular way because of what it is that Christ has done for us, because of who we are now in Christ. But what we find in this section is really, in many ways, uncomfortable because it's not how we tend to think about suffering. And this is an idea that we have seen come up again and again throughout this incredible letter. The way that Peter is thinking about suffering is just really quite different than how we tend to think about suffering. Our tendency, we have it ingrained in us from somewhere that suffering necessarily means that we're losing favor with God somehow, that he's upset with us. Biblically speaking, we, we don't see that a whole lot. Does our father discipline us and can that be a, a suffering process? Well, of course, we, we see that our father disciplines us in Hebrews, in that wonderful letter. However, we also see far more frequently throughout the Bible that Christians should expect suffering in this world and that that suffering isn't a sign that we're sinning. That suffering isn't necessarily a sign that things have gone astray. Karen Jobes writes this, the thought, uh, this thought runs counter to modern sensibilities that consider suffering in hard times to be an abnormal state of life that should be avoided if at all possible. And if they can't be avoided, they should be dealt with expeditiously so that normal life, in quotes, can resume as quickly as possible. If we're honest, that really is how we think about things. When we face suffering, our, our immediate response is, is we start running around going, okay, how do we bring this to an end? How do we make this stop and, and get things back to normal? I mean, that look, that has been the conversation of 2020, has it not? How do we make this stop so that things can get back to normal? Now, I get it. The things that we've dealt with in 2020 are not the suffering because we are Christians that Peter is here talking about, but it does help us kind of see clearly that when we suffer, our response is, oh, we need to fix this. We need to get this back to an end. And Peter's saying that's not how we should think of Christian suffering. In verse 12, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. He comes back to, to all of the Xenos words that, he, that we talked about the other day when we were instructed to show hospitality to one another, to welcome the stranger. Remember we talked about, you know, philoxenia instead of xenophobia, loving the stranger instead of fearing he uses that word, all this language about being surprised. You, you could get at the idea of what he's saying here by saying, hey, don't entertain suffering as if it's a, a surprise guest that you run around trying to get everything in order for. Because it's not a surprise guest. It's a planned guest. That's what Peter that's a way we can, can get at what Peter is saying here. 
I mean, you, you get the idea. When, when someone that you weren't expecting shows up for dinner or, or, or whatever, and you realize, like, oh, we're going to have to feed these people, you run around and you're, you're running to the store and you're looking in the pantry, you're trying to figure out, okay, what can we put together to, to provide a meal for this surprise guest? And it's this kind of like frantic, like, ah, we got to figure this out so that they can eat. And there's this frantic energy and running around trying to get it all together. Peter's saying that is the opposite of how we as Christians should think of suffering in this world. Because we're told repeatedly, if they hated Christ and we're his followers, we're united to him, his spirit indwells us, we're growing on his vine, they're going to hate us too. And so suffering just shouldn't surprise us when it comes. Instead, what we should do is rejoice because we're sharing in Christ's sufferings. And if we're insulted for his name, we should be, we are blessed and, and we should continue to rejoice with this exuberant rejoicing because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon us. He will see us through the suffering that we face. Then Peter adds this caveat in verse uh, 15. Just to be clear, he says, what I'm not talking about here is suffering because you're sinning. I'm not talking about suffering, and he lists this mini vice list, because you're a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. I'm not talking about suffering because you're doing these things, because you're and the first few are obvious. The, the last one, I'm not talking about suffering, he says, because you're sticking your nose in other people's business where it doesn't belong. That's not the kind of suffering I'm talking about. Whew, how good are Christians at doing that? And then wondering why it is that people are so frustrated with us, why it is that, that we're suffering. Peter says, yeah, 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 that's not what I'm talking about here, guys. But if you're suffering because you're attached to Christ... Don't be ashamed. It, it, it means nothing about your standing before God as far as in the negative sense. Rather, you're suffering with Christ. You're filling up his sufferings and the spirit of God rests on you. So glorify God because you have been counted worthy to suffer with Jesus. What a different picture of suffering this is. It's frankly, it's a view of suffering that we can only hold if we understand the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. The freedom that in part reminds us that this world and all of its opinions don't determine who we are. That they don't speak the final word about us, but Christ does. And so when this world comes at us with all that it came with Christ, we continue, as we're going to be told again, entrusting ourselves to our faithful Savior, entrusting ourselves to our faithful Father, knowing that we are being kept and led and guarded by the Spirit of Christ. And so we rejoice at being counted worthy to suffer with our Savior. Amen. Amen.